0: In the name of Jesus, our dear Savior, my dear Christian friends, I hope you would agree with me that the ways of God never cease to amaze. The preaching of God's word, the proclamation of sin and grace makes you scratch your head and wonder And that's such an important truth to remember, especially if we find ourselves wallowing in in, in some pity about the seemingly lack of effectiveness of the word sometimes. Attendance in the Christian church, at least I know and my own congregation, seems to falter. Bible study attendance is very small in many cases children make a vow to be faithful to the point of death their confirmation and within a few months they're never seen in church anymore the difference between twenty years ago and today when high school college students would drift away for a while they would find their way back that's not happening anymore in the christian community you counsel troubled souls. It might even be a member of your own family with the Word of God as encouragement, and it seems to fall on deaf ears. You know, there are many that would have us believe that the message of sin and grace is really out of date. Sometimes you begin to wonder a little bit. But just about that time, somebody returns to church who hasn't been in church for years and tells you that something is horribly missing in their life and they realize that the only thing that they can find comfort in is the Word of God. Or a man who divorced his wife comes back after a year and a half with her in his arm and he says, I can't, I couldn't live with myself anymore for having offended God and having offended her. And I came back to her and asked her back so we could be remarried. And we'd like you to do it. Or that person who never really says too much to, you know, in in church, never really seems to give a confession of faith is in the hospital. And they give you the most beautiful confession of faith that you've ever heard. And then you realize that God's word doesn't return empty. Maybe it just returns at a different timeline in your And you realize this isn't a waste of time. We can count on God's words and promises. But it's not just examples like this. It's you who come to church every Sunday. Because you know the need for hearing the comfort of the gospel because your week has been filled with with sins of one sort or another and you need that reassuring word that Jesus died on the cross to save you from your sins it's the hours of time that people put into the work of the kingdom of god it's those who are not afraid to go out into the world and confess their faith. In our text from the Old Testament, which I'd invite you to follow along with, God simply says to us today, this is my word. Isaiah, like many of the prophets, watched his society turn away from God. He watched as his ministry seem to fall on deaf ears and I'm sure that the faithful believers at that time felt the same thing they're no different than us and so Isaiah is given a message from God this is my word God says to him and three things are are made clear in our text today the seeds of the word are seeds of grace And that, secondly, the word is not bound by our brains. And thirdly, the seeds accomplish what he desires. God's words are seeds of grace. This is made very clear at the beginning of Isaiah 55, when, when the Lord says, Hey, all of you who are thirsty, come to the water. Even if you have no money, come, buy and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. How can anyone pass on something that's free? I guess all of us in our skeptical nature know what it's like to to not be sure if somebody is going to give you something for free. Uh, during the Fourth of July, I bought a, some firecrackers and fireworks so I could could use you know play with my granddaughter on on July Fourth and. And as we're going out of, the, out of the store, a guy is handing out those punks, you know, those little things that you like. He said, here, have a couple. And I, I kind of looked at him. I said, how much do they cost? And he said, what, can't you take anything for free anymore or what? Of was so true. Isaiah tells us, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. That implies that, implies that the, Lord's, uh, the Lord isn't always accessible with his grace and mercy and with his forgiveness and peace. Martin Luther once compared the gospel to a rain shower. It, it showers in one spot for a while and it moves along. There are countless examples in the Bible and probably in our own lives as well of people who've been showered on, who's the seeds of grace have been planted in their hearts, and yet, like the story of the sower says, things got in the way. There are many who think, well, maybe I will consider my eternal salvation tomorrow. And then it's too late. It's like the guy who, who was caught in a and a fire on a fourth-story building, and he was not very well clothed. And the firefighters told him, jump, just jump, we will catch you, we will save you. And yet, out of embarrassment, he never jumped and was succumbed by the flames and the smoke. He's invited to come, and you and I are invited to come to the God, to come filled with our sin and our shame and our guilt, But he's only given us one lifetime to come to him. That's why we call this our time of grace. This grace of God is is all about what God does for us and not anything on our part. And so his grace comes even to the worst of sinners. He says, let an evil man abandon his ways. Let him turn to the Lord and he will show him mercy Let him turn to our God because he will abundantly pardon. God offers his grace to the wicked. About 30-some years ago, there was a notorious criminal in Wisconsin named Jeffrey Dahmer. Many of you probably remember the story. It is said that when Dahmer went to prison that he found Jesus. For a very good reason, we have to believe that he may have, that that he he knew his Savior when he was killed. What's interesting about that was the response of people who were so angry at the idea that a man like Jeffrey Dahmer could be in heaven someday. I suppose Jesus knew the same feeling when when he would talk to the Pharisees, I mean to the to the tax collectors and the sinners. And the Pharisees got angry about that, and yet Jesus said the kingdom of heaven belongs to these. We are guided by grace. God's ways are always guided by grace and not on the basis of what we do. And that ought to give us great comfort because we might not want to be clumped into a category of a Dahmer or a Hitler or, any, or a thief on the cross, or anybody like that. But if we become angry, then we need to remember what the Bible says, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we have to count ourselves among the wicked and the sinners upon whom those seeds of grace are planted. And once we understand that, and once we get beyond our pride and self-righteousness, Once we start arguing that we are better than a Dahmer or a Hitler or anyone else, then we will understand that God's grace is for me first and foremost. And like Paul, we begin to realize that when we stand before God Almighty, we stand alone. And we have to say, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Once we understand this, then Jesus' invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And Isaiah's words, turn your to our God because he will abundantly pardon, are the sweetest words that we will ever know. His grace, not our own merits, not our own choosing, wins us to the kingdom of God. And you and I, at a time like that, might ask ourselves, why? Why, God, did you choose me? So Isaiah says, certainly my plans are not your plans, nor are my ways, are, your ways are not my ways, declares the Lord. Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my plans are higher than your plans. You see, the Word of God that He plants among us is bigger than our own brains. It's not bound by our brains. So often, we might think that that our own thinking or choosing is going to be enough to get us to God. That we have to somehow reasonably understand how it is that we come to faith. But the problem with our own thinking, our own choosing, our own feelings is that it's it's fed by the flesh if we don't know God. And feelings and thinking and choosing can only lead to misery and destruction. No human being would ever come up with the way that God has chosen to save us. No sinner filled with pride would ever Endorse the thought of having someone else die for them. No one would come up with the idea that someone else had to stand in our place because we couldn't do it ourselves. And that he would give us eternal salvation free of charge. Who could have imagined that God would deal with sinners by sending his own son, seeing to it that his son would have to be sacrificed, would have to die in place of all the humanity. No intellect or burdened with, 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 with an overabundance of self-importance would ever conceive of it. And yet, this is how God loved the world. He took our greatest need, our need to be right in his eyes and he put it in the hands of his son who lived our perfect life and then he paid for the sins that we had committed. And he counts Jesus perfection as our perfection through faith. Or again why is it that the most glorious thing that ever happens in our life The fact that we are brought to faith by the Holy Spirit is couched in simple words. Why not thunder and lightning? Why not a whole company of angels dancing in front of us, letting us know this now means you are a child of God? No, but simply by a powerful word. Who would have imagined that water, simple water connected with words would be able to create that faith, would be able to bind a person to, God and their, to their God and Savior. Who would have ever thought that taking a little bit of wine and a little morsel of bread would re- mean that you received there the body and blood that died on the cross for your sins and that you were You are intimately united with the Savior who has become, lives in you. God's ways are way beyond our comprehension. And all you and I can do is stand in wonder and awe at how He has poured His grace out on us. This is my word, He tells us. And then he says, just as the rain and snow come down from the sky and do not return there unless they first water the earth, make it give birth and cause it to sprout so that it gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater, in the same way my word that goes out from my wealth will not return to me empty, rather it will accomplish what I desire and it will succeed in the purpose for which I sent it. Those seeds of grace accomplish what he desires. And this is the hope that we have for all of ourselves. God will accomplish his good purposes in us. Even if we don't know it, even if we don't see it, Even if we think we're not really growing, God is working in each and every one of us. He gives us a greater realization as we grow in him of our absolute dependence on him. And it is when we are with him that we find our deepest comfort. He is the one who sees to it through the word that we hear and we live that The fruits of faith will flourish in our life. Whether we see them or not, he is the one who gives us patience in the face of suffering. This is the hope that we carry for our family and our friends and for the whole world. We know the story of the sower, the seed. We know that not all seed produces the same kind of results but the promise always remains parents and pastors and missionaries concerned friends have the privilege of planting and watering the seeds we have the joy of knowing however that it is god who is going to make them grow and that's why we never lose hope for anyone who has heard the Gospel while they have their time of grace. That's why we never stop praying for the success of the Gospel in the heart of our spouse or of our children, especially if we see them stray away. It's why we never stop praying for friends and coworkers who struggle with the vices of society And the hardships of life we know that those seeds have been planted in their heart it's why we never stop praying for the gospel seeds that are planted through missionaries here and abroad saint paul says that the word of god is powerful and effective He says, I'm not ashamed of God because it is the, the, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And just as God's power and nature makes dead seeds alive through water and sunshine, so he brings dead souls to life. It causes them to flourish. And that's what keeps our faith alive. For you and for me and for all who have been brought to faith. And we pray and pray that God will bring others to faith too. This is my word. A word that is seeds of grace. A word of wisdom that goes beyond our understanding. A word that is touched by the power of grace so it accomplishes what he desires. Friends, pray for that power of the word in your heart and pray that he blesses that word in the lives of others as well. Amen.